Welcome to Sports with Anthony. Today is Thursday, January 28th, and I have a new segment with one of my best friends, Chris Ferrata, and it is called In the Game with Anthony Isles and the legend, Chris Ferrata. So let's <laughs> let's get at it right here. We have the Super Bowl matchup. It's going to be the Green Bay Packers. Not Green Bay Packers, I'm sorry. That's what Michael wanted. We have the Buccaneers versus the Chiefs. And in order to get to that to that matchup, we had the Green Bay Packers who played the Bucks at home and lost. They lost by five. And the main reason is the coach. I blame it all on the coach on this one. So, Chris, what do you think about that not going forward on fourth down? You go for the field goal, but then guess what? Instead of doing an onside kick, you just pooch the ball down the field and say, Congratulations, Tom. Go ahead and get your tickets ready for Tampa. Here you go. Right. No, I mean, I think it's uh, definitely a decision that that's going to be scrutinized by uh, Green Bay fans, by NFL fans, uh, folks that watch the game, watch them kick the field goal with two minutes left. I mean, I mean, the, the big question is why? I, I don't see the upside to it. I, if you consider all, everything that could have happened, whether they kick the field goal or whether they go for the touchdown and get it or whether they don't get it, either way, your defense has to stop them and, and get the ball back for the offense. What position do you want to put the offense in? Do you want to put them in a position where they have to get a touchdown to, to win the game? Or do you want to put them in a position where they just have to kick a field goal? I, I think um, – the reason going for going for the three points, uh, I I understand it's a very conservative call, but it almost borders on the illogical. I don't know. What, what do you think? Right, because in the one thing people might forget, they only had two timeouts left. So kicking a field goal, okay, you made the field goal, but guess what? You have the two-minute warning coming up and your two timeouts. So you're giving yourself that one chance that you, you can stop them on four straight downs. Somehow. Mm -hmm. And then have them punt. Okay, when they punt, you're going to have no timeouts. You're going to be at the other end of the field. And you still have to score a touchdown to win the game. So my thought was going to be, you go for it on fourth down. If you get the touchdown, guess what? You can go for two to tie the game, which is fine. If you you mess up on that two-point conversion, now you're only down by two. And you have a chance, if you do stop them on defense – you can get the ball in field goal range, and it doesn't matter if you have timeouts or not. Aaron can move the ball fast enough. Then you kick a game-winning field goal. Or you made that two-point conversion. It's a tie game. You shut them down on defense because you don't want to get them in the field goal range, but maybe have them get up to the 50-yard line. But then guess what? You have overtime. Or you get a turnover somehow, either by a fourth-down punt or – something crazy happens and then you have a chance to win in regulation. But when you have Aaron Rodgers at the prime of his game, MVP level right now, and you don't let him go eight yards, eight yards. That's all you have to go. I would, if I was a betting man on that game, I would have just put it all on Aaron, let him see what he does, spread out that offense. And I guarantee, I guarantee they would have scored a touchdown. That's my thought. (laughs) I, I agree. I think I know stopping Tom Brady is a tall order for any defense, right? I mean, Tom Brady, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, but even if you don't get the touchdown, worst case scenario, you go for the touchdown and you don't get it. You start the Bucks off in very poor field position. You get them at their own eight yard line versus having to 
uh, kick to them, uh, run the risk of kicking it through the end zone or, or kicking it short of the end zone and then stopping the returner. Uh, the risk to that is uh, what if he breaks it, breaks free and takes it back for the touchdown? I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's the end of the game right there. And then you've got no chance to come back. Right, exactly. And like, uh, here's a good example. The, the uh, game before for the Chiefs to move to the AFC Championship, they went for it on fourth down, and guess what? They did a passing play. They got first down. So you trust Mahomes to do it. You got to trust Aaron Rodgers. Come on, coach. Uh, this is my come on man section. Come on, man. <laughs> it almost makes you think about uh, Pete Carroll's decision to pass the ball in Super Bowl Forty Nine, right? I know. Um, I, I, yeah, you do the like almost like the Allen Iverson practice. We're just talking about practice. And with Pete Carroll, it's like, pass? You have the beast mode in the backfield. He just ran it to the one. Give it to him again. Come on, man. Come on. Right. Well, Pete, Pete Carroll's decision to pass the ball, I mean, here, here's the difference between Pete Carroll's decision and, and Matt LaFleur's decision. Pete Carroll, if they complete the pass and score the touchdown, what happens? Pete Carroll looks like a genius because nobody would have been expecting that. But, right, exactly. of course, we all know that it didn't work out. They intercepted the ball, and uh, New England sealed the victory. So, of course, that decision really did not make him look good at all. But, right. but if you look at Matt LaFleur, can you say that about his decision? Can you say, well, gosh, he kicked the field goal. Isn't there a scenario that you would have looked and said, hey, he was a genius for kicking that field goal? I, I can't think of one. I know. He, lo- he looks like a dummy. Might as well put a potato bag around his head and say – Come on, come back next year. I hope you can take that off because you're only going to get like two more years of coaching with Green Bay if you're going to do like this because Aaron's not going to be around forever. (laughs) But as you mentioned, it does lead to a really good matchup in the Super Bowl, right? I mean, you've got – this is going to be a historic Super Bowl because no matter who wins, whether it be – the Kansas City Chiefs, and you have Patrick Mahomes, who becomes the youngest quarterback to win two Super Bowl rings. Or if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win it, you've got Tom Brady, who becomes the first quarterback in NFL history to win the Super Bowl in both conferences. I mean, definitely a historic game coming up. Yeah, first con- first for being in both conferences, and it's your first ever, ever in the NFL home football game, mm-hmm. ever that the host of the of the Super Bowl has their team in it. <laughs> so right. it, it makes it for a good matchup. And Michael talked to me on the way home today, and he said I should cheer for the Chiefs just because. And I said, well, I can't because Jen likes the Bucks and Tom Brady. You like the Chiefs. So I went ahead and bought a Super Bowl T-shirt from NFL.com on their shop. So, people, if you need some gear, Order it now because it'll arrive by Super Bowl, okay? So I got my Super Bowl shirt, and it has both teams on it. So I'm going to cheer for both. But uh, my heart, I'm going to tell Michael this on on Sunday uh, of the Super Bowl. My heart is going for Tom Brady just because if he wins, he goes 7-3 and three all-time in Super Bowls for 10 trips. I mean – that, that, that's a great feat in itself to do that. And then the question will be, will he come back for one more year and then try to repeat, or does he just ride off into the sunset? It's up to him now. I think he'll come back for one or two more years, but um, I think the ultimate goal is with this team, get that Super Bowl win, and he could pull basically what Peyton Manning got to do. So I, I'm excited for it. 
I think it's going to be a great showdown. People need to remember that Mahomes does have turf toe. So uh, you know how these teams prep, both sides. The defenses are good. And Tampa Bay is a lot better than what people really think. And it's going to come down to who can manage the ball well and the turnovers. That's going to be huge on that. So we'll see what happens. I don't know a score yet. I'll predict that score later. But uh, I'm excited for this showdown. Yeah, definitely an exciting one. I So as far as the picks, I, 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 I'd love to see Kansas City do it. I know uh, Michael is a big Kansas City fan. Um, but on the same token, I think it, Tom Brady is a tough one to beat. Um, definitely one of the greatest quarterbacks ever to play the game. You're also playing at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay. That in and of itself gives them an advantage. Um, and I think it's just going to be tough to, to stop Tampa Bay. Uh, uh, I'm picking Tampa Bay. Yeah, and I, if the Chiefs would win, it would be awesome because we haven't had a back-to-back Super Bowl champion since the Patriots. So, and, and my thing is Patrick Mahomes and this core group that they have, they have probably five more good chances with this core. Now, for him as a quarterback, I can see him getting close to Tom Brady's record by the end of his career if it progresses the way it is. But right now I'm going with the GOAT. And, and more power to the Bucks because to have a home game at for the Super Bowl, what a cool thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, now, so this it begs the question, Does should the NFL allow this game to be played at Raymond James Stadium? I, mean, I, I don't know what options they have. I mean, what do you say to the people who've bought tickets? But does the game being played at Raymond James Stadium give Tampa Bay an unfair – I know it gives them an advantage. Does it give them an unfair advantage? I, I think for the super, for the just for the Super Bowl that it does not give them a unfair advantage when it comes to ticket sales because of how they're all split up with how they're all split up. It does give them an advantage because you are at home, but guess what? It, it's a stadium that's made to have a Super Bowl. So you put them in Indy, you put them anywhere else. I mean, it's no big deal, but um, – I think also with the current situation with there are going to be limited fans anyway, I don't think it's going to be as much of an issue as it would have been if it was a packed house. It's on a small scale for the Super Bowl, but there are two former Steelers players that are playing against each other that are going to be healthy, they said, to play in it. Antonio Brown and Bell. So what do you think of them being back in the Super Bowl but against each other? Will they make an impact on this game? Oh, I think, uh, I mean, they definitely have the ability to make an impact on any game. I mean, if they um, show up with some fire in their eyes, you know, it's a Super Bowl. Every, every player is is going to be determined. So absolutely, I think uh, in the game, they, they can absolutely have an impact. And then for the Chiefs, there is one big blow. And it's for their offensive line. Fisher tore his Achilles during the game last week. So they have to reshuffle their line. Do you think that'll affect how Mahomes does some of his scrambling? I think, yeah. I mean, if you've, the offensive line isn't healthier, if there's changes, um, that could definitely have an impact on 
on uh, their game plan with with Patrick Mahomes. But um, the way you look at it, he's a talented quarterback. Um, and, and can he prove that he can be out there um, with any of the offensive line shuffled around, no matter how they shuffle him around? I, I think Mahomes has the ability to do it. Um, and he's got the talent to do it. And um, I think you know, if he can, if he can stay focused and play hard, it may not matter how they make changes to the offensive line. Right. It, I like your theory on that, Chris. <laughs> and there's one question. I, uh, I didn't get to ask you yet. And guess what? What do you think about next year's Steelers team? And Big Ben. Is Big Ben coming back to play another year? And do you think he's going to start the whole season? What do you think is going to be the outcome? Because they are getting some new coaches under Coach Tomlin. Rooney family has had enough of the assistant coaches that were being terrible. So what is your prediction for the Steelers? So I think he'll come back for another season. Um, let me put it this way. I'll be, I'll be a little surprised if he doesn't um, because I think he will. But – um, you know, is he going to be the same quarterback that he was, you know, in season pass? I don't know. I mean, I think we might um, see him kind of slowly uh, work his way out of the game. Is he going to get the ball, um, the, the starting call for every game? I, I don't know. That remains to be seen. But uh, I think it's going to depend on if, if he can keep him healthy and um, what his plans are for the uh, future years. If they need to uh, bring in a, another quarterback and let him learn the system under Big Ben, um, then I think uh, him coming back is going to be valuable for the Steelers. But, uh, yeah, I think he'll come back for one more season. Yeah, I do too. I think he's coming back. Nathan thinks that it's going to be where it'll be a game-to-game decision of Big Ben starting or not starting, but there's no quarterback behind him yet that could do what Lamar like did, came in and just replaced Flacco. But I think Big Ben's going to play one more full year, and if they can't get it to the AFC Championship or to the Super Bowl, then they're going to look at what backup quarterback they want to either draft or they want to sign, and then they'll go from there and, and start that transition. But there is one guy that they could sign, uh, as a free agent to be a backup quarterback and could take over. And you know who I'm talking about. It's an AD, Andy Dalton, number 14. <laughs> I, I don't see that happen. I'm not saying that Andy Dalton's not a good quarterback. Don't get my comment here wrong. But he, he's in Dallas. I know he's from Texas. He wants to be there. I, I think Andy Dalton's going to end his career in Texas, and, and I don't see him opting to go anyplace else. Well, he is a free agent as of right now, and he's playing his options. So – my thought for Andy Dalton, yes, people, I'm talking about Andy Dalton. I love Andy Dalton. I think he deserves to be a starter. He needs to be on a different team now, which he will be. And I think he has almost like Carson Palmer, like like four or five years left in the league, and maybe he could do three more years of high play and then give yourself a chance of getting deep in the playoffs and see what happens. So there's going to be about five or six teams that he could be a starter for it's just a matter of what those teams want so we'll see what happens to him I hope much for the best for him because he's done a lot of great things and mm-hmm. and I'm going to look forward to also uh Smith he I don't think he's coming back as a Redskin is there going to be a team that'll give him a chance to be a starter for one more year or is he going to just retire he's going to be comeback player of the year and it's just amazing to see that he even got to play and for mm-hmm. that fact it 
whatever he decides, just more power to him and congratulations on being able to come back and play. So uh, agreed. Now, now I have to ask you a question, Anthony. Yes. So comment a little bit on what happens with your Bengals. Do the, the, Zach Taylor, what, what's his future look like? Joe Burrow, what, what are the, let me, I'll, I'll ask you in a sec, what do the Bengals look like next season? Right, next season, if, <laughs> if, it, I mean, this is a big if. They have to draft solid players. If it's a first-round pick, I really highly would recommend some type of offensive lineman. So I don't know what spot they really need, but they need they need to start getting some high caliber players there to protect Burrow. And Coach Taylor, he's on a three year deal, and it's this is his third year coming up. And if they sign some more free agents, I think they did a good job last year signing some veteran free agents. Some of them got hurt and they couldn't play, but they will next year. So if the offensive line can play strong, which we had it for a while. And then in the last three years, I think as people retired or got traded or left, it, it got worse. But he needs to be protected. You need to be able to have Mixon healthy too, which I think he will be. Have him run very well. And you need to balance your offense. You cannot throw 45 times a game and expect to go far. So... <laughs> And your defense, they started to show up. They just need to build of build up from where they left off. And I know it's going to be a, a brand new season starting over, but with everybody healthy, play in the system. You have you have a new defensive coordinator. I do not know why you would sign. This was last year. They signed the Detroit Lions defensive coordinator to be their coach last year, and he coached Detroit for I think it was at least three to five seasons, and they were almost dead last in the league. What's going to happen when he changes teams? Well, guess what? You're almost dead last in the league. Come on, man. So get some quality That's coaches that you know can help transform the team, not just get a coach. Like, they need some better personnel. He, coach Taylor talks about we're being transparent with everybody. Well, be transparent with your coaches. Get some good coaches in there, coach. Because if if they do not increase their record uh, to eight and eight, like if they're below eight and eight next year, they need to move on from him and get somebody else. Because there will be some yeah. plenty. There's plenty of veteran coaches that maybe they can sign some younger coaches to groom them to be a head coach. But <laughs> I think flip flopping the way they did it, it, he is the rebound coach. That's what I'm going to call him. Rebound coach for a couple years, and then you get a veteran coach in that you know that'll last that five to ten year gap, which Cincinnati's accustomed to doing. Well, I agree with you, Anthony. I think most people would agree that any level-headed owner or manager um, would. Um, sorry, you might edit that real quick. I had no, it's a, all good. somebody. <laughs> so, so what do you right, think so about I'll, it? I'll, what do you I'll, think about it? I'll pause for a second so you can get the edit. So, yeah, I would agree with the Anthony Isles, as I think most people would. And I think, you know, any any owner in, in his right mind would do exactly what you just said, is they would give Taylor one more year, that final year on his contract. If he's not improving by then, they move him on. But we are talking about Mike Brown here. Mike Brown has shown that he is anything but a normal franchise owner. Right. And does not make decisions that most people would call rational. Let's put it that way. Right. Um, he's loyal to a fault. Uh, 
Um, I see him sticking with Zach Taylor uh, as long as Zach Taylor, um, you know, doesn't uh, uh, do anything that that would uh, make Mike Brown um, want to change his mind on him. But I think if Zach Taylor shows his loyalty to the Brown family, then it almost doesn't matter what his record's going to be. Mike Brown's going to stick by him. Is that the right thing to do? I, I, I don't know, but um, but I think that's what Mike Brown will do. But, but... And deep down, I could see that. I could see it happening because it has happened, as we know. It has happened. And, and you know, the first thing that's going to happen during the offseason and during the training camp and stuff, they're going to say, Coach Taylor, it's the it's the end of his contract. Are they going to negotiate? They're going to ask. And then if they're smart, they say, we are not negotiating till the end of the season. And just put that to rest because it's, it's not worth that hassle for that team. And, you know, Coach Taylor is a nice guy. I mean, you're a nice guy. I'm a nice guy. But does it fit the bill for the Bengals? No. I'm saying no right now. Coach Taylor has to leave after this season. Do you want to lose more fans? Do you? Because Chris used to be a Bengals fan, and he put up many years of that organization and has now switched over. To the Steelers, but he does like other teams. He respects some of the players, but as a management, it 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 is not getting better. And I'm getting on thin ice. I'm still a Bengals fan. I'm loyal. I will stay a Bengals fan, but I only have a fine line too. And I'm just putting that out there, everybody. Yeah, I don't know that Mike Brown is too concerned about losing fans. If he was, he probably would have been doing things differently for the past 30 some odd years. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Our next thing that you and I need to talk about are the new, or not New Jersey, the Brooklyn Nets. Ah, yeah. So this Brooklyn Nets team, you have Kyrie Irving, who is, he's been a head case just with himself, like just disappearing and coming back after the trade. I think half of it was part, I'm going to act dumb and not be a part of the team. I have some issues, per se, and let that trade happen and then come back and be like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I think it was all ploy to make it be like, okay, let's get Harden out of Houston. That's what that, That's my personal thought on that part. But they have gelled pretty fast. And I don't think because of who they traded away, I think that's going to be their downfall for this year. I think they'll make the playoffs. I do not see them making it past the second round because their depth is not where it needs to be yet. I think going into next year, they'll get some pieces to fill that role and they can make a deep run in the East. But right now, well, they'll be good highlight reel. And uh, it's going to come down to how well the Lakers finish out the season and can you stop them? Because I don't think right now there's not a team yet that can stop them for seven games. And, and that's, that may be true. I mean, it, time will tell. I mean, we're in, in January in the NBA season, long way to go still. If the uh, big three in Brooklyn, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, James Harden, if they can find a way over the next couple of months to kind of mesh and play together and do it consistently, um, then I could easily see them going past uh, round two in the, in the playoffs. But 
Um, but that could be a, a tall order for that team as well. I mean, the first time that they've played played with each other um, on the same team, at least uh, for an entire season. I know they're all all stars, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, they've got five, four or five months to figure it out. Right, exactly, and we'll see how they gel. I think Steve Nash is doing a great job for his first time as the head mm-hmm. coach, and people might not know that he was a consultant for the Golden State Warriors for a couple of years when they won the, I think it was the first or second championship, and he does have a ring as the coach. People, mm-hmm. I don't think people yep. know that, but everybody now, guess what? You know, Steve Nash does have a ring as a coach, so I think he's going to – if he keeps this team and he can be successful, I think he's going to get a head coaching ring. I think he can do it. Oh, yeah. And I, I agree. I love Steve Nash as a head coach. And as you know, he had a, a good career with multiple teams in the, in the NBA. Um, he was a play caller of himself, a uh, great point guard. Um, I, I, I love seeing Steve Nash at, at Brooklyn's home. Yeah, it's awesome. And, uh, and people – uh, might not remember too. Jason Kidd is the assistant head coach of the Lakers. So last year in the bubble, Jason Kidd was guiding uh, Rondo and all those point guards on that team. And he now has a ring. So it, it's neat to see the former point guards using their knowledge as a coach and they're willing to do it. So it it's, it's pretty cool to see that for um, MVP candidates right now for the NBA. I know on on ESPN and everything, a lot of people are saying Durant deserves it. But Kendrick Perkins, I agree with him. LeBron's the man to beat right now. LeBron at 36 years old is putting up all-star numbers. And they have the best record in the league, not just in the West, in the league right now. If they keep it up like this, I think he should get that. I think it will be his fifth MVP. If not, it's his sixth. But I think they're – He's tied with MJ and some other people. So I think if he gets one more, he has the all-time record of MVPs in a regular season. Yeah, and it, it, it is uh, – I'm going to say surprising, and I, and I don't want that to be an insult to, to LeBron, uh, to him being one of the front runners for MVP. But, um, you know, him being in the league for so long, him being at 36 and being the front runner, it's, it's, it's commendable. I shouldn't say surprising. I should say commendable um, that he's that he is in the position that he's in. And, um, and, and as you know, he's bounced around the NBA a little bit. Started with Cleveland, went to Miami, uh, won a championship there came back to the land, uh, won a championship there, um, and now with, uh, with L.A. Um, so, yeah, I mean, definitely the man to beat. Um, I think if Durant and Kyrie Irving and uh, James Harden can play together uh, uh, and mesh well, then you know, that's going to make the three of them look good. Does that make, mean Durant becomes MVP material when you're trying to spread the points out amongst three big players? I, I don't know, but um, – yeah, I, I think it's going to be tough to, to, to take that from LeBron, take the MVP title from LeBron. Well, I agree. I agree. We'll see if that stays truthful by the end of the season. <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. More power to And I don't even know. Uh, LeBron spent what now? What, what season is he in? Is his 18th season? He yeah, came I believe in it's 2003. 18, 18 years. Yeah, and I haven't even looked at the stat. Maybe something to look up and do a little post-show uh, on. But uh, you know, when what has MJ accomplished in his first 18 years? It, because I know there's always the question, the debate goes, you know, who's the greatest of all times? Is it MJ or is it LeBron? And a lot of people say, hands down, it's MJ. Um, you know, he's got more rings than LeBron. 
um, and, and done more for, I, I don't think anybody's dominated, or any sport for that matter, has dominated any sport the way Michael Jordan has dominated basketball. Right. And uh, every most people know, like, I'm huge on MJ. So for me, he is the GOAT. And, and you could also say Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But with the type of just as a player, I put MJ at number one. Kobe is in the top four for me. And LeBron is in the top ten for me. But I just feel like because of, of the personality of MJ and Kobe, that trumps LeBron. It has nothing to do against his skills, but it's just that tenacious, uh, I don't know, just mentality that you are going to dominate every single night and you're not going to stop him. And it's the drive that he puts on the other players to perform at the highest level that they can. And LeBron is, he's almost too nice of a guy sometimes. He played, I feel like he played his best as a Miami Heat, I feel like mm-hmm. just because you, it got, it got to the point where he had to play the, the uh, villain role, and it added that extra fuel for him. And then going back to Cleveland, it's like, okay, I have championships under my belt. I will lead you to the championship. Let's see if we can get one. And he did it. I'm so glad he got it for Cleveland because I feel like for his career, if he didn't get to do that, it would there'd be a little asterisk next to there saying he couldn't win with his hometown team, but he got it done. But still LeBron as an individual, what a career it, I don't see another player yet that will be able to play that long and be that successful. And unless somebody magically comes out of college in the next few years, I don't see it happening for a a long time. Yeah, I agree. And I think LeBron has set records and done things for the NBA that'll stand for a very long time. Uh, you're right. I don't see somebody coming right out of college and, and accomplishing what uh, LeBron has accomplished um, and doing it in a shorter time period. I mean, he's led two different teams to, to the championships. To your point, I'm glad that one of them was Cleveland, his hometown. Um, and I would be very interested to see what um, Jordan has accomplished in his first 18 years of in the league uh, and put it up against LeBron. Either way, um, I think Michael Jordan, Le- LeBron James, I mean, their names are going to be uh, synonymous with legends. I know, right? So. Right. And Michael only played, I believe it was, if you count the Wizards years, it was 15 years that he played. Mm-hmm. So LeBron's already, for longevity, LeBron has passed that. And well, yeah, there you go. So he's, yeah, he's, he's played in more than 15 seasons, but Michael Jordan's got what? Six rings, seven rings. What does he have? Six rings, six MVPs, six times to the NBA finals and they never lost. And I think that even, even though LeBron's made it so much, it, it's just that Bulls team, they never lost. And they, it's mm-hmm. not like they made it once or twice. They did it six times and they could have done it eight times if he, would have uh, not played baseball. So yep. it, it, it'll it always be a debate. But for individual purposes, it's just LeBron, what a career. And, and we won't see anything like that for a long time. And Bill Russell has 11 rings. So <laughs> still, yeah, Michael has six. Robert Hor- Ory has seven. But you know what? You still have Bill Russell. He'll always be able to hold up 
there's two hands and one toe and say, I got 11, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Well, either way you put it not to, uh, I, well, put it this way, either way you look at it, when you mention the greats of the game, you have to mention LeBron's name. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and people can debate who's the greatest of all time. And I agree with Kobe and Michael and LeBron has said it too. You cannot compare goats with, these eras that people played in because they never got to play against each other at their primes. So mm-hmm. it, it's a good debate to have, but you're always going to have a goat of a certain era. Of course, you're going to have one that people think of all time. So yeah. I'm excited to hear what the debates as LeBron finishes out his career. And then once it's he's retired, the debate will be even <laughs> In the NFL this Sunday, they are they already voted for the Pro Bowl players. There is going to be no Pro Bowl game, but they are going to have awards handed out. I don't know how they're going to do it, but for anybody that's interested in Pro Bowl stuff, there is stuff on Sunday apparently in the afternoon, but there is no game. First time in a long time there hasn't been a game. Hmm. Yeah, twenty the twenty twenty the pandemic. It's uh, definitely brought about a lot of firsts. That's for sure. I know, I know. So, <laughs> hopefully, next year they'll have their Pro Bowl game. Even if you have limited fans, at least it'll be something for them. And for college basketball, Chris, we're going to switch to college basketball, and then we'll end our segments. Oh, UK, Chris, UK, you, you, U L is playing consistent. I'm proud of how L is performing. They're going to do well going into March Madness. But UK, yeah. come on, UK, all UK fans, come on. come. We need uh, to get this team together. Their offense looks like a JV team. <laughs> <laughs> they struggled last night down the stretch against Alabama. I watched the end of that game uh, when I was able to, to flip it on. I think uh, UK was down 54 to 52, something like that. Uh, with a couple minutes left to go, and UK just could not get it together. Uh, defensively, they couldn't stop them, um, and, and that that turned out to be the difference. I mean, well, I say that in all fairness, I didn't see the first three quarters, so I don't know what sort of mistakes UK made, Alabama made. I don't know what how many shots they took, made, missed, any of that. But uh, what I can tell you from what I saw is UK just did just ran out of steam that last couple of minutes, and they they didn't get it done. Oh, no, I feel like it's beating a dead horse with UK this year now that we're so many games into the, into the season. But going into halftime, they're playing against Alabama, who's undefeated in the conference. They were 9-0. and And they were tied, Chris. I, and you didn't see this part. They're tied, okay? And they let Alabama get down the floor and shoot a three at the buzzer to go up three at halftime. So they were in there, but it's another mental mistake. You let them shoot a three to take the lead going into halftime. So then you come out, okay, let's see if they don't come out flat. They, they come out okay. They hunt in there with it. They, they were getting in rhythm. It was a tie ball game. UK would take the lead. Then it would be Alabama taking the lead. And then, of course, that last five minutes, there's always a time for UK for some reason. The, somewhere between the 12-minute mark left in the game to, the, to that five-minute mark, All of a sudden, five minutes comes, and they can't hit a basket. They're driving in the middle of the lane, not dishing it out to wide-open people. Dumb turnovers. Your transition on defense to to make the three-point shots harder 
are slow, so they're going to get open. Then they penetrate. You're fouling them. They're making their free throws. I mean, it's a recipe for disaster right now. And if they don't get it together, they're not even going to be in the NIT tournament this year. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I saw the exact same thing you did when I was watching the game. They would drive the lane. And they put the ball waist high. And as soon as they did that, the defense would knock it free. And I watched them do that probably two or three times within the last couple of minutes. Uh, UK did that. Uh, and it, Alabama's defense was just spot on. Every time UK would bring that ball down, Alabama in the middle of the lane, Alabama was right there to jar it loose, cause the turnover, and uh, get the points off the turnover. I think that made a big difference. Uh, going down the stretch again I don't know I didn't see what happened in the first half and the in the in the first part of the second half but uh, I know that UK just did not could not close the game out and for this whole season for this offense for this young group of guys I it's a motion offense where you penetrate as the guard whichever guard is dribbling but what do you do when you penetrate in the middle of the free throw line of course the defense is going to collapse on you uh, they want to double team you, but the players are making the decision to either shoot or pass literally one second later than you would normally do it. They need to do it a split decision like right away of what they're going to do because you see all these turnovers and it's happening over and over again. And until they get that right, that offense is not going to flow well at all. I mean, it's, it's just, it's ridiculous to me that you, if you dribble drive in the say it's the first 10 minutes of the game and you come down seven times on offense and four of the seven times you're dribbling right in the middle. Of course, you can play zone defense man to man. You are going to stop them because, you know, they're either going to fumble the ball because they're not holding it tight and they're not going to be able to pass it to their person that's usually on the corners of the three or at the farthest part of the three point line. And they don't dump it in right away to a post up player. Either choose what you're going to do before you get down the floor because this isn't working and this group, they better not go to the NBA. You need to play at least one more year if you're going to even have a chance to survive in the NBA. <laughs> Agreed with you. Agreed with you. Yeah, it'll be uh, – this will definitely be a, a learning season, building season for, for the Wildcats, That that's for sure. And, and for – there's not much we have to say about U of L. Coach Mack is doing a great job. I'm happy for him, and I hope they continue their success and make a good run going into the ACC tournament, and then of course in the March Madness. But I looked at for our alma mater, NKU. I saw that they were <laughs> like six and eight, Chris. Yeah, they, they are. And, and I got to tell you, even at, at a six and eight record this season, I have to look back at the last three, four seasons, or even since they went division one, they've been a force to be reckoned with. They have. They've made, yes. they've made the big dance. What was it? Three times now they made it last season, right before the pandemic hit. Uh, yes. The big dance never got a chance to be played, but, but NKU's won the league three times. Out of four years, when they, when they go three to times four out years. of four years, they've made it to March Madness. Yeah. Yep. I I love NKU basketball, as you well know. I'm a big NKU North fan. I know you are as well. Yes, sir. Um, and, and I just love seeing their success and, and hope to see more of it. I do too. And I think I can't wait to attend a game with you in person. It's going to be a yeah. lot of fun. Get our North gear on, cheer them on. And then if they ever make it to NDCV, you know where we're headed. 
that's right. Let's go north. That's right. North South That's Bay, right. <laughs> That's right. Because <laughs> the way UK's playing right now, NKU could beat them. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and they drew. And it's funny because three years ago they drew NKU uh, for the first round. It was NKU and UK, I if know, I'm not right? mistaken, back in 2017. And, and I got to tell you, the the Norse played them strong the first half of that game. Well, they played. Uh, they played great. It was yeah. a great. They did a great job. They ended up losing by nine, but they still had a chance even though UK mm-hmm. might have held off on the brakes with the last two minutes, but they still mm-hmm. had a chance where you could tie the game. So it it was awesome to see that happen. Yep. Yeah, that was a, definitely a, a memorable game for me. I remember when they made it that first year, and I watched the game, and I watched that first half, and I kept thinking to myself, NKU is going to beat these guys, which um, I wanted to see, of course. My, my head was telling me that UK was, was the much stronger program, and they were. Um, but I was happy to see that how how well NKU came out and how hard they played them in, in the first half of that game. Right, exactly, exactly. Thank you for listening to Sports with Anthony and today's segment within the game with Anthony and Chris. Tomorrow, I'll be collaborating with Nathan Yates again, and we will be doing our segment of on the sidelines with Anthony and Nathan as we talk about the Super Bowl and our predictions.